So today we're going to look at a message within a story. And when I say we're going to look at a message within a story, what we're looking at here is known as a parable. In this case, it seems to be a, a few little parables put in together to make one big parable, all right? So does anyone actually know what a parable is? Or a rough idea of what a parable might be? A saying? Wow, ding, tick, gold star, buy it yourself, I don't have one to give you. A parable is simply that. It is a simple story, funny that it says simple, used to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson, as told by Jesus in the Gospels. And I would say out of some parables, we do get a lot of good sayings as well, so you're not far off the, off the mark there. But I do laugh a bit at the notion that these parables that Jesus told were simple stories. Obviously, when I looked up parable, that was from the dictionary and, you know, that's the world trying to tell us what's what. But Jesus telling simple stories, but maybe more so then, all these years later, up until including today, we continue to share these parables, these simple stories, trying to gain deeper understanding of what these simple stories can tell us today. But the description isn't wrong because any parable that is shared holds a moral or a spiritual lesson or a really good phrase within it that we can learn from. And the depth that comes for us right now, still now today, comes as we decipher what message is in those words for us still. But maybe these parables were shared by Christ so that the very story in its then contextual simple language for the people that Jesus was talking to could also be interpreted and understood on a new and personal and a deeper level, not only for that original audience, the Jews or the Gentiles or whoever, but to all people still now. Don't you just love that? That our, our word, the word of the Lord is a living text that still speaks to us today just as much as Christ's physical living words did all the time back then because I don't think Jesus is out to confuse us I think we confuse ourselves more often than not and I don't think he's around to send us down any sort of wrong path he's not standing at the crossroad and pointing to the dodgy option what I believe of Jesus is that he wants us to go on a personal journey with him though he wants us to go on a journey of deeper individual understanding he wants us to question the message for ourselves. And these parables are so powerful in how they get our minds thinking about that exact thing. If we actually read them and try and work out what's going on here, you can't help be lost in thought. What does this mean for me? What exactly is the message within them for us now? And it, I think in that, knowing that these were shared so long ago, is an element of just genius in that that we can have so much strength and so much message in it even till now. And one thing I know of Jesus is that Jesus is down to earth. Our Jesus, our Christ is down to earth. And not only did Jesus come down to earth, quite literally, as a man, he's also down to earth in nature. He is real, and I love that word, real. You find people that are real in your life, they're the people you keep around. Because Jesus didn't need to take the step of coming down in physical form to earth. He certainly didn't need to do that. Except that by doing that, he could relate to our humanity through his own divinity. And in this showed his own humble, down-to-earth nature. And in that, it helps us relate to him even more deeply too. Christ experienced what we experience. 
So let's look at today's parables. So today we're looking at scriptures and it's on your, the whole lot, yep, great, is on the newsletter, it'll be up on the screen as well. But the scripture we're looking at today, it comes from Matthew chapter 13. We're reading the first three verses, 31 to 33, and then we jump across to verses 44 to 52. Here we go. And the first one, the parables of the mustard seed and the yeast. He told them another parable. There you go. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all throughout the dough. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes. I wonder how confident in that yes they were. Yes, they replied. We understood everything. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. May God add understanding to that for each and every one of us this morning as we work through what's being said here. So what are we looking at? What are we looking at here? Because Matthew's gospel parables here speak of items that, again, contextually, were very familiar. They were relatable things to the audience that Jesus held at that time. And we might still recognize some of those things today. And that's an important distinction to make because what relates to a group of people at a certain period of time lends us now to adapting that same message but in a new way relevant to a new audience, doesn't it? Because we serve the contextual Christ. Christ exists within our context. Jesus' incarnational message, and look, that sounds like a big fancy word when we say incarnational, or oh, what does that mean? But incarnation just describes the act of God becoming human through Christ. Five words, God becoming human through Christ, incarnational, incarnation. And in all of Christ's messages, he was never promoting himself. It was always a focus on coming alongside the world around him. So we have to think, how do we hope to speak these words to the world that we are in? To start, we need to relate to it whilst holding the integrity of the message intact as well. So have you heard the saying, be in the world but not of the world? Have you heard that? I think... For those of us who have maybe grown up in Christian circles, it's certainly maybe something that our parents have said to us at some point. 
But it's a very profound saying in many ways because being called to be like Christ sits very counter to what the world expects from us. But this saying of be in the world can be a trap if we don't consider the whole message of but not of the world. We will never relate to the world around us or learn basic principles of right and wrong, the subtle traps of dark and light behaviours in a complete and complex way. We won't be informed enough to be able to recognise some of the traps, the sneaky little things this world holds if we simply shelter ourselves away with only the messages of how not to be of the world. Instead, we need balance. Jesus went into every part of towns. Jesus went to all types of people. Jesus faced all sorts of situations. If we simply separate ourselves completely from the world that is actually around us, we can never truly relate to what the world is going through. And if we don't exist within relationship with God and know the love he has for us, then how can we share that message with others as well? And the same applies to knowing God for ourselves. But simply holding on to that goodness ourselves and not sharing that good news with others, we're missing something. We're missing something. If it was all about Jesus the individual and what he could do and how that made Jesus look, then he could and would have just stayed in his divine state, his godly state. If the most important thing to God was his superior position, if he didn't care about you and me, if God never wanted to relate to us in any way, he would have just stayed in heaven and simply lorded over us. But that's not God. That's not God. His message, his love is for all. He's a relational God. Our God exists in relationship, and that in itself we see in the idea of the Trinity, the three in one. God exists in community, God exists in relationship. Yes, he is divine. He is the all-powerful God. Yes, he is powerful and all-knowing, but he is also humble. He is also loving. He is kind and he is welcoming. The God we serve came down to earth and in his down-to-earth nature shared common stories about ordinary people, to ordinary people, about relatable things to show us the way to relationship with him and a way to experience life as God intended it to be, in deepening relationship with him and also with each other. Because what we have found in Christ is not to be held to ourselves, but is intended to be shared with others, so that they too can experience what the joy of being in relationship with God is all about. And if we are to be like Christ, then we must hold contextuality, Relevance as being relevant to our ministry to the other ordinary people around of us. Everyone is an ordinary person. It's only man-made constructs that elevate them to positions. Jesus made himself ordinary alongside his divinity. Jesus spoke words that related to the ordinary. We aren't called to be anything more than our ordinary selves. Hallelujah. We aren't called to have to pull off all these grand, masterful things. And the power in that is that God can and will use our experiences and then our own stories that relate to those around us to bring the divine to the ordinary here and now. 
So in a sense, what we're looking at here is in our ordinary state, alongside the divine Christ, who only hoped to relate to those around him, we can begin to write our own parables even now here today, right? Sharing simple stories with a moral message that hope to connect people to Christ. So what are we being told through the parables shared today from Matthew? I'm finally at Matthew now. The preamble was done. I'm going to start with this. Because when you heard me reading through the scriptures, was there a phrase that kind of kept coming up to you? And obviously, I'm not saying it now and didn't say it before. But there's this phrase that keeps coming up and it says, The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. And it shows up time and time again. Because across those verses we looked at today, it shows up five times. And every time they are spoken, what are they followed by? And we're talking about context. They're relatable common things. The kingdom of heaven is like. So here we go. What are these things? What is the kingdom of heaven like? Verse 31, mustard seed. Verse 33, yeast. Verse 44, hidden treasure. Verse 45, a merchant. Verse 47, a fishing net. Okay. The kingdom of heaven is like common things. So the kingdom of heaven is by its very design inclusive of everything, of all. Ordinary people with seemingly not a lot to offer. But when offered, when they take themselves as an offering to Christ, with the right heart and intention, the impact can still be powerful. So the kingdom of heaven is like. When we look at the mustard seed and the yeast, we're referring to the message of God that has the capacity to grow and impact in extraordinary ways. Now, for those in Jesus' time, this mustard plant was seen as an unexpected weed to an otherwise expected crop. The yeast in the Israelites' traditions was a symbol of corruption and impurity, but abundance came from the smallest of things. Now, when we look at the kingdom of heaven, and we're talking about God's message being like the hidden treasure in the field or the fine pearl being discovered by the merchant, we see the message of God holding great value for those who have found it. But what we might miss in these two examples is the person looking for this value. Our world seeks all kind of personal gain, doesn't it? We're looking, always looking to be better and better off. But to find the message of God within our lives of the world draws out the balance of not falling into the ways of the world. There is so much value in that kingdom message alone. There's so much value in that message for our own lives and how we go about it and what we're looking to attain. And so I think we have established that the kingdom of heaven being like is actually the message of God for the world. And when we know that, we can coexist and hold relevance for the sake of sharing God's message of relational love with others in the form of these common stories from the lives of just ordinary people. So when it comes to the final, the kingdom of heaven is like, the fishing net is used. We hear about the fishing net. So by now, if we can't see that Christ wants us to see the value of his message for everyone, and that he wants us to personally experience the depth and growth that this message holds for ourselves and for everyone, then we probably just need to read our Bibles more. 
the fishing net as a, the message of God becomes a metaphor and an image for a life of evangelism. And again, we go, oh, incarnational was a big word, and now you're throwing evangelism at me. Evangelism, I think, a big, scary Christian word, maybe, but it's not really. Because the d- definition of that is just the spreading of the Christ- Christian message by personal witness. We talk about living out Christ within us. That's evangelism. When people ask us why we are different, why in a difficult situation we can find a sense of peace, then our evangelism in that experience can simply answer that it's my faith that keeps me together. It's not as complex as we make it. We overthink how we can example to those around us what the kingdom of heaven is like when we make it harder than we need to. Christ came down to earth and he spoke with relevance and in context in a down-to-earth manner to those around him. Through our own stories and understanding of how Christ has impacted our own lives, it is in those common stories, our own stories, our own journey by us ordinary people that others can find that same Christ we have and our own kingdom understanding can also deepen as well. The mustard seed lies undetected in a big sack of some other kind of seed. And when finally thrown onto the waiting soil in the same handful as the other more dominant seed, no one takes notice of the mustard seed. The resulting growth from that mustard seed is not what is expected as no one notices the seed being planted. It is hard to see, hard to keep an eye on, but it has a way of mixing with what is more noticeable. And at the end of the day, as the seed begins to germinate, sprout and grow, its final result radically reorients what was expected. The disorderly and pervasive nature of the mustard seed seems like a far off concept of what the kingdom of heaven should be like. But how often do we try and structure God into our own little box of order and plans, making things too complicated? We want certainty in life and try to play that into our faith as well. But the kingdom of heaven is more like the mustard seed. It's invasive and it's unpredictable. For our churches, we try and define what fits into them and what doesn't or who doesn't. So we risk or more likely become divisive and unwelcoming as we try and structure and maintain control of how our church should look, who it should include and how it should function. Don't for a second step outside of those man-made boundaries. Mm. But really what we are looking, losing, sorry, but really what we're losing is the voice of God. The message of God that is pushing us past those boundaries that cause any division and segregation into new and fresh understandings of the message of God, his message of love for all. So the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's invasive, it's unpredictable. A tiny little symbol of how God is forever invading our orderly sense of things. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, capable of incredible personal and kingdom growth. The kingdom of heaven holds immense value to those who seek it and have taken the time to understand its value like the treasure found in the field and the pearl that was discovered. 
In both of those situations, the treasure and the pearl held so much value to that individual that those that found them gave up everything so that they could have that precious item. Does the kingdom of God and the message it holds for us hold that same value to us today? The kingdom of God, God's message for us, is like a thrown-out fishing net. So how are we showing the impact of God's message over our life to those around us? These parables hold something for absolutely everyone. Whether we know Christ for ourselves yet, whether we've grown up in a church environment from baby to now, or whether it's been a journey before to a point where we've chosen Christ for ourselves, or whether we don't know Christ for ourselves at all. Whether we're only just trying to figure out what on earth all of this is even about. Let me tell you, the message still remains the same for all of us. The message doesn't change. There is no grading, there's no hierarchy, there's no ladder as to who gets what level of God. He gets to have V there is no he gets to have the VIP access to the best parts of God just because he looks so godly himself. It doesn't work like that. We all have the full God. You accept God, we all are on the same level. Friend of God, in relationship with God. Because the love of God is for everyone. The question I have to ask today is do you or do you want to know that love for yourself today? It's for you to ask yourself that. Because it is as simple as saying a simple in your head prayer. A prayer just being a conversation in your head or out aloud. No one's going to mind if you're asking God to come into their life today. And if they do, please let me know. We'll have to have conversations. Asking God to come alongside you today as you begin or look to deepen your relationship with Him. Because the message of God is down to earth. It comes alive in our common stories and in our own journeys for us ordinary people. We don't have to overthink it because our Christ, I've said it a number of times now, He is, He is down to earth. He relates to us ordinary people and he just wants you to know him for yourself in your own way today. All of our journeys are different and that's where the power of our stories come out when we evangelize. Just share that with other people in those moments where it, it, it feels right. He'll give you those opportunities. So if you make that decision today to either recommit or to commit for the first time, I want you to talk to myself or Karen and we can keep you in our prayers as well. Because we're all a family under God. And it only takes a small seed to be planted. Even when we don't know how it is going to develop by the end, it could be in 20 years' time. To begin a new path today. Because as Jesus loves you, we love you as well. And we should be loving each other. And there's a world out there that needs to be loved as well.